Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Today I'm going to preach on a sobering topic, and, um, and I don't think anybody should preach that uh, in a way that it would become judgmental or hard, but I'm going to talk about hell. It'll be the first message I preach here on it, so uh, I want you to bear with me. And, uh, and I had the, uh, the gentleman pre- um, speak to you some of the words uh, from Scripture that Jesus mentioned. I want you to know that Jesus talked way more about hell than about heaven. Uh, but it's not an easy one to preach uh, because it does, it does set you in your uh, seat when you hear about what it's like and what's going to happen to those that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew 18, and I'm just going to bring one more set of scriptures to you that are important, that are very important. Matthew 18, verse 7 says, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, he says, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell. Every time I read that verse, it gets a hold of me, because my father had one eye. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Say verse 11 with me, will you? For the Son of Man is come to save that which is lost. And he goes on, How think ye? If a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not have... Leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray. And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones perish. Father, help me. I just want to bless you today. I want to lift you up. Because hell is a reminder of what you went through uh, to save us. To go after the one that was lost. And there may be one in here today, Lord, that needs to hear this message. And I pray, Father, they hear it and heed, and heed to it and give their lives to you. This is not easy to preach, Lord. And you know that. Please empower me, I pray, by your spirit. Allow me to say the things you would want said. And we'll just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to get a healthy look, or take, get a really healthy 
look of what's uh, of a lost world and the need for Christ than look down into hell. Just got to look down, that's all, and see what's there. Um, he gives us many, uh, you know, glorious images of what's happening in heaven, what we're going to see when we get there. But I think if you really, truly want the passion of Christ, you have to look into hell often. Seeing all of the evil events of the day that we live in, Jesus foretold us where to look. He said, look up. Right? He said that, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, your redemption draweth nigh. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, our redemption is drawing nigh. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize Jesus is coming, and it's very, very close. Uh, it will matter much what you fix your eyes on during these evil days ahead, lest you be overtaken by them. It's overwhelming to me sometimes. Uh, I just, uh, at the house, I just hooked up a TV and I just put an antenna outside so that I could just catch the news. But I'm amazed at watching the news, 6, 10, and 13, how they honored the LGBT. QT thing with parades and uh, I mean I can't even I, I, and, and I think it's almost child abuse that you'd bring your child to watch that these half clothed people you know march down the streets and, uh, and then they're on the news talking about how we are so far ahead of everybody in the country in New York State I'm, I'm looking up and I'm looking up with great ex anticipation expectation to his coming, aren't you? I, I, I would hope you would do that. But it's bad enough that we have to look around us and see the immorality that people are enjoying. And let's not forget, right, that Jesus is coming again. That's going to end soon. In fact, I posted on my site just this past week that uh, there's, a, there's a scripture verse, um, uh, and uh, Zephaniah talks about how he's going to end that celebration of pride. There's going to be a day coming. They're not going to be celebrating anymore, and they're going to be souring powerful and they're going to be sad and it's going to be awful that day when it comes so it's so looking up for his coming is good for every believer concerning personal hope but i want to suggest to you today that looking down is better for us as believers regarding having a passion for christ's passion looking up is good it encourages us but if you don't look down i don't think you can possibly grasp the passion that christ has one of the most sobering and humbling moments we all face on earth is when we look down into an open grave. Um, I, I, I've done it several, several times in 30-some 30, 30 years, and, and I don't enjoy it at any time that, we have, that I have to watch a casket laid down into the ground if I knew for sure that they did not know Christ as Savior. It's a little different when they know Christ as Savior, yes, but still it's a very sobering moment. At that moment, the reality of death death really sinks in we see our frailty and our vulnerability one of my childhood girlfriends this past um, week uh, a vibrant young beautiful lady uh, married and has a good marriage and a um, couple kids couple of girls and grandkids uh, had a severe massive stroke and died and uh, I I'm it's really hard for me this week to even get through this I know that I have to go and meet with the family and be a part of it, and it just uh, really tears me apart. I haven't even reached out to them yet because I don't even know what to say. But for some reason, we can get past it quickly and move right on again in life. 
once it happens and return to the same old stuff that uh, that put that soul down into the grave in the first place. And the, and the truth is, um, the grave reminds us of mortality and more of hell than it does of heaven. But the only hope we have of escaping the grave and of hell is, is of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. So the way out of here in this sin-cursed world without Jesus Christ is a trip downward. It's a trip downward. And I remember hearing my first, the first message of a preacher, he's now dead and gone in heaven, about hell. And it's uh, literally, he, um, it was, um, his name was David Wood. Uh, he was an evangelist that came in, and he actually put somebody on a cross up on the stage. He would put them up there, and they would the, um, the whip marks and the blood coming down off them. And believe it or not, back then when we did this, we brought them in to do this. We did, had it at the local school system in their auditorium. They allowed us to do that. And I remember him describing the elevator that going down into hell and, and seeing it. And it honestly... It took a hold of my heart. I think it, it, it like put my evangelistic mode into high gear after I heard that. Because I don't want anybody to end up in hell. Nobody. I can't even imagine somebody thinking it's going to be a party down there. I got several messages on it, but I, I, I really, this message is just, the truth is the grave reminds us of our mortality. And the way out of here of this sin-cursed world without Jesus Christ. It's just a trip downward with our first stop at the grave, our final destination in hell. And you can see why I'm not screaming and yelling up here over this or trying to be like I'm on top of all of this uh, because it's sobering. And, and, one of the mo and, one, and one most people don't want to talk about and most preachers don't want to preach about. If you're one that follows Joel Osteen, he, he has said openly he doesn't talk about that stuff. Uh, Billy Graham in his latter years got way off track, way off track in that stuff. I'm always careful, even preaching about this subject, that I don't give the wrong impressions. It's needful for us to face the reality of death because when you look down past the grave into hell, you realize why God took such desperate measures of crucifying his own son and coming down to earth. The truth is, if you don't look down, Pass that grave into hell and let it grab a hold of your soul. Nothing at all will motivate you to look up and have a passion to help others do the same. Does that make sense? If we look into hell, the Bible describes that the Bible describes and are not traumatized by what we see, hear, feel, smell, and taste, there will never we will never appreciate how deep God's love is for us. So I trust if you know someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I would encourage them to try to watch this message. I may fumble over words, but I want to tell you something. I would rather fumble over words in this passage, in this preaching, and see someone get afraid and trust on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior than to have everything refined and perfect as I preach. So in fact, I don't trust any preacher of the gospel who stands behind this sacred desk and says he loves people, but never says anything about hell. Uh, keeping people out of hell was the passion of Christ that revealed the love of God and brought him down, right, with mercy to our sinful souls. And then he descended into the abyss. It's amazing how that, I mean, I got my opinions on that, and we'll, I'll share with you uh, someday what happened there. But the reality of hell sets in when we look into hell, 
into the hell that the Bible describes and, and all of our five senses are triggered. So you ready to look down for a minute? What does the Bible tell us about hell that triggers the five senses of our soul? First, when you look down into hell, you see a bottomless pit. Listen to John in Revelation 9, 1-2. I saw a star fall from heaven unto, unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Do you know that they say the deepest hole in the world is over in Russia? It's called the Kohler Super Deep Borehole. It's seven and a half miles deep. It's approximately 3,959 uh, 3, miles to the center of the earth. This means that the deepest hole in the planet only reaches 0.002%. This means the deepest hole on, on the planet is, is minor compared to the massiveness of the center of the earth. This means it's a long way down to hell and a long ways to fall for all of eternity. Uh, they say we, we know far more about the universe than we do about the center of the earth, and that's really not true because we have the Bible. We know a lot about what's going on in the center of the earth. Hell is not only a very hot place, but also a very large place. And, and uh, throughout my career, uh, there were many times where I had to work hundreds of feet above the, uh, above the ground with nothing but my nerve to hold me from falling to my death. One, one place was right here next to two places were right here next to me. One was on the bridge that crosses over the Hudson um, as you go over to Boston. Uh, there's two big, I don't know what they're called, bridges. One's a railroad bridge and one's a um, throughway bridge or whatever you call it. And we used to work out on that. Another was a, a bridge, I think right near here, Gilliland, where there's, um, it's about 110 feet off. And I can remember walking across I-beams that were only about 8 to 10 inches wide with nothing hooked on to me. And if you just looked down for a minute, it really took your breath away. It didn't bother me then. It bothers me now because of my vertigo. But every time I slipped or lost my footing, it stoked embers of fear in my soul, soul like nothing else. How many of you here are afraid of heights? Yeah, I would say it's one of the most common fears uh, that, uh, that mankind has. And when you're standing in a very high place, it, it, in a very vulnerable position, you are reminded very quickly of your mortality. In other words, if you slip, you're done. And when you look down, reality sets in. And sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to look down into hell. Think about it. When you were at a theme park and you're at the very top of the ride, you look down, you begin to think, I hope the cable holds. And when you're on a plane and severe turbulence hits, and I have flown a lot in my life, and I want to tell you, it still makes me nervous. And you begin to pray, I hope this plane stays together. And if it doesn't, I hope I got the nerve enough to stand up and preach the gospel as it goes down. Once the fear of dying escapes you, you no longer, you're no longer afraid of the fall. That's what's happening right now in the world. They're no longer afraid of that fall into hell. We live in a fallen state because of our sin, and without a fear of the consequences of the fall, we no longer will fear God. So committing sin will no longer make us afraid of the consequences of the fall. So there's very little fear of God in America right now, and as a result, there's no longer a fear of hell. In fact, they think it's a party place. 
They think it's a place they're going to go down there with their friends and party. A pastor friend of mine in Florida says this, anything over six inches off the ground is against the will of God. Because God said, lo, I am with you always. <laughs> he said, I won't even travel to New York, he says, because there's mountains up there. When you look down into hell, it's scary because according to the Bible, you don't see the bottom. Now, I have a theory about that. I'm going to tell you what I think about that. Uh, hell is the center of the earth, and if there was a hole that went straight through the earth to the other side, like they say to China, uh, you would fall, uh, and you were to fall into it, at some point, gravity would have no effect. Do you understand that? Gravity will pull you to the center, but then it's not going to pull you out to the other side, is it? It's amazing that the Bible says you're suspended in hell. In other words, you would slow down to stop somewhere around the center because the gravity of the other side would then work against you. You wouldn't just shoot out the other end. So at, at that point, your descent, you would just hang there in the center of the earth suspended in the fire. That, my friends, is what is called a bottomless pit. Falling forever, never hitting bottom. It, if this is true, and my science is correct, there are millions and millions of souls right now in the center of the earth, suspended there, with no hope of ever freeing themselves. I don't even like to think about that. Oh, what a dreadful thought. There are people in hell that are now hanging there, suspended, all because they refused the outstretched hand of Jesus Christ. These were the ones who thought they could get away with enjoying the pleasures of this world without facing the consequences of their fallen state because of all the sins they're enjoying right now. They are the ones who thought their good deeds outweighed their bad deeds, and somehow God would give them a pass on hell and accept them into heaven. The truth is, good work uh, is the good works they were counting on to save them follow them straight into hell. But aren't you glad Isaiah tells us that right up until death, God's hand is outstretched still? It's outstretched still. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, I want to tell you something. His hand is still outstretched. All you got to do is just jump into his arms. That's all you have to do. Here's the second thing. When you look down into hell, you'll hear the bewailing of people. Jesus over and over again said that weeping and gnashing of teeth are the sounds you hear in hell. They are sounds of suffering. There's nothing more unnerving than when you hear somebody, the sounds that come from somebody that's suffering greatly. There's nothing worse in this life than hearing a person suffer in pain, but nothing can compare to the sounds of suffering the Bible tells us that we will hear if we end up in hell. Millions and millions of souls screaming in pain, seeking relief, but there's none available. It's hard to imagine the sinless Son of God having to descend into that area and hearing for himself the cries of the suffering souls that he created to live with him. Have you ever thought about that? Can you imagine what he went through? Not only the suffering on the cross, but what he had to listen to. The cross was bad enough, but Christ actually saw and heard the screams of the suffering souls he created for himself. He created them to live forever with him, and now they were going to be there in hell, suspended forever. Every time I see people lamenting over death of their loved ones, it hurts. 
But nothing hurts me more than thinking someone I love is in hell. I, I hate to see people in pain, but what I hate worse is thinking they might end up in hell. You ever hear people say it uh, when they're dying and you say, well, at least they're out of their misery. If they don't know Christ, it's just begun. It's just begun. And I say, don't put them in as much pain as you can to get their attention, Lord. Don't let them die and go to hell. That's what I pray. Make that pain, make their mind start thinking and realizing about what's ahead of them so that they'll trust you as their Savior. Oh, my friends, if you choose to look down, you will hear the bewailing sinners crying out for Jesus. Send someone, anyone, just to reach. They know they're there for eternity. But just to send anyone to reach their families with the gospel. Yeah, the greatest prayer meeting in the world right now is happening right now in hell. The largest prayer meeting in the world is going on right now as I'm preaching the gospel here at this church. There are people praying for their family members, their friends, to escape this horrible place that they are in for all of eternity. Here's another sense. When you look down into hell, you'll feel the burden of darkness. When God sent darkness over the land of Egypt, he called it a thick darkness. That means you could see it. You could, you could feel it. You, you could feel it. It was so dark. It was the worst darkness known to man. It was so heavy, it was hard to breathe. Uh, the, the closest thing that I can use, right, that I can relate to, is the anxiety that comes from severe clinical depression. I've counseled many people with that, and the darkness is so heavy for them, they can't bear to get through the day without some type of hope. And if you've ever had severe anxiety or depression, you know a bit about what I'm talking about. I went through it one time in my life, and it was when those kids in that limousine headed down to wherever and went down that hill and crashed in and all of them lost their lives. I had several of those family members of those kids in my church at that time. And I remember going to the doctor and, and saying, uh, I feel terrible. My, I, I think I got mono or something. It was just one of those things I kept. And my doctor's the greatest guy on the planet Earth. And he sits there and he listens to all my symptoms. And he says, he says, he says Pastor, listen to me. He says, I think you're going through depression right now. And I said, I, I, you know, after I got thinking about it, I got back home, I was. There was a lot going on. It was hard to handle at that time. There were so many grieving thoughts and families and things going on. But that's why we have a Savior. That's why we have the Scriptures. That's why we have been offered salvation now to give us light and to spare us from this burden of darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world and he that follows me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. I am come as a light into the world that whosoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. I remember saying to the doctor, said, would you like some anxiety pills? Or, I said, no, I don't want any of that. I just got to get some more light in me from the Bible, from the word of God. And he agreed. He's a born again Christian. So there, there, was, there was one time this type uh, of darkness happened on the earth. It's when Jesus was suspended between heaven and hell at Calvary. It brought a very deep black darkness all over the world unlike any other time in, all, in human history. The Bible says 
listen to me, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season, right? For a moment, but then it brings in with it a deep, dark moments of despair as the consequences follow it. Jesus can change all that. He did that for me and he can do that for you if it hasn't already. Now don't miss what I'm about to say. There are some things, I've said this a lot of times here, I've said this a lot of times in my years of ministry, some things you are never able to change. The past is the past. There are some things you can never correct. What's done is done. And there are some things you can never cure. His will is his will. But my friends, there is nothing you can't conquer with Jesus Christ as your Savior. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Here's the next sentence. Smell. It's amazing. When you look down into hell, you smell the burning of flesh. Boy, it's hard to preach this stuff. You're going to smell the burning of flesh. If you look down into hell, the Bible implies you will be able to smell the literal sense of suffering. You would not only smell the burning of fire, but you're also going to smell death and the burning of flesh. Now, I know a little bit about that. I know the smell of burning flesh is awful because I went through it. I smelled my own flesh burning when I went through a fire myself. Had... Uh, uh, first and second and third degree burns all over my body. The first and second healed without any scars. The third degree, if I was had shorts on, you'd be able to see my left leg of the, of the scars from that and the skin grafts that I had to go through and the six months of school that I had to miss. I want to tell you, that dead skin stunk. Nothing gets your attention like burns before I got burned. I thought of being burnt. I thought of being burned in the awful aspects of it as not a great fear of mine until after it happened. And now I'm a, I'm a mess when I see kids around fire. I'm glad they saved my leg. I'm glad they saved my leg. But they could have it. They could have it if it would have kept me from dying. If it would kept me, keep me out of hell, they could have my arm. Just like the Bible said, they could have my eyes. Listen to what Jesus said when it comes to the body parts. And if thy right hand offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it, is, for it is profitable for thee that one of these members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that, they, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So if you look down into hell, what you're going to see is you're going to see a bottomless pit. What you're going to hear is you're going to hear bewailing of people. What you're going to feel is the black darkness that's so heavy. It's burdensome. And what you're going to smell is burning flesh. But lastly is the good news. Is if you look down knowing Jesus Christ, you won't have to taste the bitterness of death. You just won't have to taste it. Just a glimpse of hell leaves the bitter taste of death in your mouth. But listen to what Jesus said in John 8, 51. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. And that see there has the idea of taste. Hear how the unbelieving Jews responded to that statement. This is what they said. Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead in the prophets, and thou sayest, if a man 
keep my sayings, he shall never taste of death. You see how you find the meaning just by going a little further ahead? This is exactly what Jesus meant. And this is exactly what I'm preaching right now. Because under the blood of Jesus Christ, you never have to taste or experience the bitterness of death or hell or separation from God. Do you understand that when you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, when you take that last breath, I have been at the bedside of people that have taken their last breath. And the very next breath you take is in the presence of Jesus if you know him as your Savior. But if you don't know him as your Savior, the very next breath you're going to take is going to be before him too, but it's not going to be so well received. Because he's going to cast you away and say, I never knew you. That was the decision that you made to reject me. So hell is real. It's as real as heaven. And what Jesus said is still true. If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Because the bitter conclusion of a difficult or unpleasant situation is, is bitter. You know, the worst thing about hell is being there and realizing you didn't have to be there. So that, my friends, is a bitter ending. And that's why I do what I do in the face of opposition and rejection. I share Jesus Christ wherever I can. Because I don't want anybody experiencing that place. I want no one to go to hell. Even my worst enemy. The happy ending only comes with knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. Psalm 34a, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Everyone in hell is there because the world tasted better to them. Do you, do you all know that? It just tasted better to them. But the Word of God says, take a taste of Jesus and you'll taste everlasting life. And I can tell you, here's a man that trusted on him in 1986. It tastes really good. Yeah, he tastes really good. This is the will of God that you live with him both now and forever. Do you all understand that God didn't make hell for us? But boy, it's pretty clear what it's like, isn't it? It was never intended for his children. No one has to go there. It's a choice we make when we reject the offer of Jesus Christ. It was made for Satan and his angels. He made hell for Satan and his angels, but because we chose to disobey him and reject his offer and his warnings about sin, there's no other place he has to send us. If his kingdom of righteousness is perfect, sin cannot be allowed into that kingdom. So if you're a sinner that hasn't been saved by a Savior from your sin and the consequences thereof, eternal death, separation from God, he has no other place to put you but into hell. You can't blame God for sending anyone to hell because of sin, but you can thank God for providing a way out of hell because of him, Jesus our Savior. So thank God, right, for providing a way out under his blood, amen? And that's something to shout from the mountaintops about. As bad as this message is in the first 80% of that, the last 20% is the best part of the message is that Jesus Christ is the primary theme, right, of the church. It's the primary theme of avoiding hell. The gates of hell is the church. 
And here we have a church right in the middle of the Albany, Gittleton, Schenectady area that's still reaching souls for Jesus Christ. And if you're not, you better get started. If you don't have a passion for that now after hearing what it's going to be like for those that have rejected Jesus Christ, I'd reevaluate your own salvation. If there's anyone here who is without full assurance that they will escape hell, let this look into hell convince you to look up right now. Because it doesn't get any worse than that. And call out to Jesus right now and get saved right now. Trust on him. The Bible says the word is nigh unto thee. Even in thy mouth, it says, and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. You know what that means? It simply means salvation doesn't get any closer to you than it does right now at this moment when I preach it. If you're unsaved right now, this moment, it doesn't get any closer to you because you could walk out of this door, get hit by a car, and end up in hell. If thou wilt conf confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So all you have to do is just call out to him right now and be saved. But I would assume most of us here are all believers. I mean, I look around this, I, I would assume there may be someone that's uh, still struggling with this, so listen carefully. Let the passion of pity for souls who are in hell drive you to reach those who are not yet there, but are headed there, and reach out to them. If you're unsaved here today, I'm reaching out to you. If you're listening through the live feed there, on there, I'm reaching out to you right now. A Bible description of hell should drive you to your knees and compel you to want to fulfill that passion and share the gospel with whoever you can. Is today the day for you to finally surrender to Christ? That's the question, is today. How many of you, by the raised hand, would say right now, I absolutely know for sure that if I were to take my last breath this moment, I'd be in the presence of Jesus and I'd be with him for, forevermore. Now I'm looking around. Rachel, keep your hand up. I don't see everybody's hand up in here. There are some people that have hands not up. They either haven't made that decision yet or they're too embarrassed to raise their hand. Is today when you should finally say to him, yes, Lord. Yes, I'm through fighting you. I'm yours. I give my life to you. The best way I can with what little faith I have, I, have, I receive you as my Savior. I accept you, your gift of eternal life. Is there anybody here today that's unsaved that would be willing to kneel in their heart and just say, save me, Jesus? Because today, God is reaching you. Today, you're hearing about the truth. Today, God wants to give you the reassurance of heaven. How about the rest of us? A lot of hands went up. We all know where we're going. Did anything in this thing, in these descriptions of hell, 
right? Get a hold of your heart today and the passion that Christ had in order to get you to open that mouth, go to that place, touch that person so that they at least have a chance, at least have a chance to be saved. That's where God wants our hearts right now. So let's bow our heads. Let's think for a moment. Let's look down. Let's see, taste, hear, touch, feel what's happening right now underneath us in the earth. And then let's be honest with ourselves. Am I where I should be in my service to Christ? In this area of seeking souls. Because the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Wide is the gate to hell. Is God speaking to you right now? Is he telling you? Time is short. Evil is prevailing. Will you make a commitment to him right now and just say, Lord, Use me whatever way you can. And if by chance there's someone in this sanctuary right now that's unsaved, heard a little bit about hell, knows a little bit about heaven, but knows a lot about who it is that saves us from hell and puts us into heaven, Jesus Christ. Is there anybody right now who would say, I, I would like to be saved? I, I want to trust on him right now. Listen, if you're here, you're not sure, you're 100% sure you'd be in heaven and you die, I trust that you'll give your life to him right now. Is there anybody who would be honest, raise your hand, I'll just say amen, that I, I don't know if I'm truly saved. But I certainly want to be saved. I want to know more about it. Anybody? I'll just say amen. If I see your hand go up. Anybody at all? All right, Father, thank you for all that you do have done. Thank you for this descriptive picture of a reality that most people take for granted like it's not even there. This church was planted here in this area to reach those, to be the extension of your arm, to catch the hand that reaches out to keep them from hell. I trust, Lord, you'll help us be that church that there be a new zeal for outreach and soul winning. That no one could be involved with the people of, Save, uh, of uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church. No one could be involved with anything that has to do with Lighthouse Baptist Church and not know that there's a way out of this sin-cursed world. So Father, as I turn this invitation over to Mike, I thank you. Help us, Lord. We're a needy people. We need you to save souls. Help us to be the ones that 
are your arms that reach out to this lost world. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.